0: and welcome back to another episode of focus target the podcast i'm your host smiley and with me as always shy and van gentlemen howdy howdy today we're gonna as promised get away from talking about games that are out there in game reviews and talk a little bit more about the inside gaming so to speak Uh, and and we want to talk a little bit about the way that Game mechanics have cross pollinated across a number of different uh, video game genres. So, we have a lot to talk about in that regard, but before that, we have a question of the day. Today's question of the day is a simple one Who is your favorite video game antagonist? I'm going to start with Shy today. Shy, who would you call your favorite antagonist from a video game?
1: Uh, I mean I don't know this was a really tough one actually because we're not really like it seems like we're not really talking about like who's your favorite boss you know it's not like game mechanics it's almost like personality I feel like yeah and story uh,
0: and character wise for sure
1: yeah I mean and so I don't know like just a recent example and it's a game I haven't beat yet but I feel like I've played enough to kind of get a feel for this character is uh I'd have to say maybe pagan min from uh, oh, from nice. far cry 4 just because he's a guy that... Now- yeah, sorry. Guys,
0: okay, a question. Is there always a train sound in the background when his name is mentioned? Because that would be pretty cool. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, that's, uh, that is uh, that is that uh, is an effect that happens. So uh, I better not mention his name again because it but probably uh, won't happen yeah, again. It sounds uh, like a bad element. But uh, no, um, I think uh, he's just kind of like this guy that you hate, but he's also very flamboyant and uh, very um, – just very outgoing and just – he's the guy he, like, is very – He's a megalomaniac and, like, kind of, you know, absorbing his own power, almost like he doesn't realize just how bad of a guy he is. Like, he's having fun with it. And so, it's just, it's he's kind of a fun guy to interact with in the game just because of how lighthearted he can be at times, even though he's just, you know, despicable as well. Just one of those kind of villain characters like that.
0: Uh, Alright, a good choice. What about you, Van?
2: Well, I hope I'm not taking anybody from yesterday because I know this was mentioned briefly when we started talking about this. But <clears throat> I, I would have to go with uh, Handsome Jack, specifically Borderlands 2, Handsome Jack. And the only reason is because I really didn't play Borderlands 1 all the way through.
0: Uh, he he wasn't in it.
2: Oh, are you sure at
0: all?
1: He made his debut in Borderlands 2. Oh I think, I well, know. I think he's in the pre-sequel, right? I think they
0: he's in the, the prequel, but that, as him. That that's yeah, yeah that's about him, I think. Right, and he's
2: not necessarily well. I, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Well, I guess of limitations. He's not necessarily evil <clears throat> in the pre-sequel either. But um yeah, Handsome Jack um just his his wit and humor, it's dark, super dark humor while also being I would say um flamboyant as well kind of he, he reminds me of a slightly more aggressive narcissistic pagan man. But similar qualities where they they make fun jokes about yeah. killing people which typically isn't funny but the way they say it is absolutely hilarious and um all I have to say is Butt stallion. A horse made of diamonds.
0: All right, that was uh, one of his horses. So I'm going to take, take a second to plug one of my favorite um, YouTube channels, and that is a, a place called Game Theory. And if you like Handsome Jack, um, you ought to check out the game theory that they did about Handsome Jack, where they tried to decide whether or not he was really the hero or the villain of the Borderlands series. Um, it's got some compelling stuff, and, and I feel like those game theory... Um, videos are always really interesting to watch. So, well, if you sure, want a little extra extra stuff,
2: quote unquote good people are still vault hunters as well. And you don't know who they're vault hunting for. Whether it's sure. you know, does that make them better than than handsome Jack and the vault hunter who has a little bit more power and an entire army behind him? <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. So check out the video if you want to. If if you, you want to see it, I think uh, there's there's definitely some gray area there. But uh, yeah, he's he's a funny he's a funny character for sure. Um, my my favorite antagonist is, is a little bit different from your guys. You guys both kind of seem to pick guys who were um, maybe bad guys, but were pretty funny. Um, mine wasn't really very funny, but he, he was very effective. Um, and it was Kefka who was the, the final boss hmm. from Final Fantasy VI. And there were a couple things about Kefka that I found really compelling. One was, and again, we're going to spoiler territory, so if you're on your way working through Final Fantasy VI, you know, maybe maybe fast forward 15 seconds, but uh, Kefka succeeds in destroying the world in Final Fantasy VI. So he he wins for a large portion of that game, and, and that's pretty cool. And while that kind of thing maybe has happened in games more recently, in my experience as a child, it was the first time that I ever felt like evil had truly triumphed in a game. Um secondarily he was a crazy clown and like clowns can be kind of scary in the first place. Like if you've ever seen the the movie or read the book it by Stephen King, like there's, there's some fucking creepy clowns out there, man. And so he was, he was always just kind of deranged. And, and finally, um, what was really interesting is just like how chaotic he was. That he, you know, he originally worked for the evil empire, who was kind of bad in a familiar way, where they want power and control and and all the things that the typical bad guys want. But he turned on them. Like it didn't even matter. Like he just wanted to watch the world burn. Um, I I wonder sometimes if the Joker's character from Batman, uh, The Dark Knight. Was maybe inspired a little bit by kefka because i remember when i watched that movie that the joker in that movie reminded me a lot of the way kefka behaved but he was you... he was he was crazy
2: do you think that if sephiroth wasn't xxx sephiroth xxx and in every single mmo name and splashed around so much that that would have made this list
0: like do you think Sephiroth is discounted like he because was, he's popular, yeah, he was, overpopular. Right. And if
2: you said Sephiroth, like, would your opinion be somewhat diminished? Because uh,
0: it's Well, yeah, I mean, I think he's gotten larger than life and, and, you know, just like everything with Final Fantasy VII, he's overhyped, right? But Sephiroth, he was a pretty compelling villain as well. Like, he was, was interesting because he was, you know, like, if you play the game through, there's a lot of reasons that are maybe atypical. Like, they give him a reason to be evil and crazy sure you know not just i'm bad because i'm the bad guy it's like like you kind of if you put yourself in his position maybe say okay maybe i understand why he's you know a little bit effed up and so and
2: personally he's he's really the one care or he is the character that has impacted me the most emotionally negatively in any video game mm-hmm. that i've ever played was yeah scary. fair enough
0: i think i think a lot of people would probably agree with that for cool. obvious or perhaps not so obvious reasons depending on if it. you've played the game <laughs> there's no
2: statute of limitation on this
0: one play yeah, it you should play Final Fantasy 7 uh, maybe it'll be re-released maybe we'll do a podcast on the oh, incoming re-release I who knows we'll have to wait on that but uh, that's it for our question of the day ladies and gentlemen if you would like to submit your own question of the day we're still waiting for somebody to step up to the plate submit us a question of the day um, you can do so our contact information will be provided at the end of the show you can always also leave it in the comment section on YouTube, or uh, no, I'm sorry, not on YouTube, on uh, on um, iTunes in the reviews area, if uh, if you if you so choose. All right, let's get into the meat of the episode, and that is game mechanics proliferation. Um, we got a lot to go through, so we're going to start with the most obvious one, and that is RPG elements. So this is something that has really become rampant, where traditionally, back in the in the elder days of yore, when video games were young, RPGs were a genre. And they were based primarily on um, on Dungeons and Dragons, which was a which was a pen and paper uh, kind of forefather of RPGs. And then they kind of developed out of the video game version of the Dungeons and Dragons model. Um, and so the, the traditional RPG elements are things like leveling up, gaining experience points, kind of progressing your character by playing the game so that your character gets stronger over time and and you know a lot of times it's accompanied by you know gaining equipment and, and in some cases leveling up equipment as well um, there's a I mean you can really slice RPGs in a lot of different ways and, and have arguments back and forth over what is or is not an RPG but but those are kind of the core things I think that's why a lot of people wouldn't consider consider Legend of Zelda an RPG necessarily. It's more of an action game because it doesn't have any you don't level up. You don't inc- Your character doesn't get stronger. You maybe get some new gear but you don't get um, levels or, or experience gain. Uh, but now um, we find RPG elements specifically experience points and leveling up in all kinds of genres. You get it in games like Call of Duty you gain EXP. In games like John Madden football, Madden two thousand and sixteen. Your players every game gain EXP and get better throughout the season. Like every game is an RPG now, right? Like
2: Battlefront and and um what was the other one? I just had one on the tip of my tongue too. But um, yeah, even first person shooters are, are technically you wouldn't consider RPG in in its traditional definition. But they're considered RPG now, or they have that huge RPG element because they throw an experience-based counter on there, and you can actually physically quantify what level you are in the game. But yeah, Battlefront, um, even Borderlands had a... Uh, yeah, RPG, Bord- Borderlands EXP. as
0: well. Yeah, Well, and Borderlands Borderlands, and Destiny, I think, were kind of hybrid shooter r- sure. RPGs. But, but, I mean, even the pure games that, that aren't even trying to be RPGs now incorporate RPG elements. I mean, even, like, you know, ridiculous things like... like bejeweled games or i mean i've never played the uh what's the can- candy crush is that it yeah, don't you gain the xp in what, that what don't the you candy like crush? I don't know, the, the candy crush <laughs> thing don't they don't they play that on the Facebooks? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know but i mean you you can find it everywhere so the, so the question is i mean the way we're going to approach this in this podcast is is it a good thing or a bad thing do you like that your shooters? gain exp and that you level up your guns and you level up your football players and you level up your candy crushes and and every everything under the sun or like do you think that it's gone too far or is it you know rpgs have a good thing going and and leveling is is fun and cool like why not spread it out to everything shy let's start with you what what's your opinion on on the proliferation of rpg elements to every other genre in known video gaming
1: I think that I think that in a lot of cases it is good. I remember the first time I think I ever saw it, like the cross that cross pollination. I think was in when uh, I think it was in Modern Warfare when Call of Duty you know first started kind of the modern era of shooters, and all of a sudden it was like, wow, I can keep playing and unlock, like, parts of a gun, you know, unlock sights and, and you know, stocks and new guns. And, you know, it kind of gave me a reason to keep playing. I you know, I just, I think before that in college, I'd played, like, Halo, where, like, you just entered a map and there were just weapon spawns, right? And then you go to that point and you know you can get a weapon. And, like, the fact that you could actually, like choose what weapons you go into a game with and actually like the longer you play the better weapons you're going to have i think it i don't know i think there's bonuses where where it kind of like it gives you um an incentive to play it kind of rewards you for playing and um i think i I don't know i I do like rpg elements in games to a certain extent i
0: mean that's the real benefit right like it takes what used to be something where you would get better at the game by playing it now it's not just because you get better from like you get better, but your characters get better too, right? Like playing the game not only makes you better at it from the time you spend on it and the and the dexterous skill you use in, in getting familiar with the game, but you're also getting a quant as Van said, a quantifiable increase to your either your characters or your weapons or some form that that, that playing more gives you an advantage in the game as well as personally. What yeah. about you, Van? Oh, go ahead, Dave. you have something else, Shy, before I cut no, you off. No, no, that was just agreeing.
2: No, that, that's actually perfect. That's what I wanted to talk about also. I, I do agree with Shy that it's not necessarily a bad thing that there are RPG elements inside shooters. I absolutely love that as well, that, you know, if you play a um, supply, you know, or a support class uh, in a shooter, for example. I'll use battle, uh, Battlefield. If your support class in Battlefield, typically it's all about ammunition, heavy machine guns, all that fun stuff. But the more you play that specific class, the more you get to unlock support things, such as uh, drones or you know other other things that somebody else who has never touched support can use. So it, uh, it it's like that carrot that has to be present in really any games now because we all have ADD or adult is that is that the adult one or is that the child one? Adult ADD. Anyways,
0: we're all hey, old and we hey, have ADD. ADD. Estimates, estimates. We'll get
2: there. <laughs> <laughs> so figure it out yourself. We all have we all have that. So we need that that carrot, or at least I feel like I do. In shooters, um, maybe I don't necessarily need it in a good shooter. Not to say that Battlefront or Field isn't a good shooter, but it does help me stay engaged and want to continue playing to earn EXP in that specific tree to unlock the stuff. Now, conversely. Or I, I wanna ask this question, and this is really to everybody, but I wanna I'm gonna ask you first, Shy. Is it a good thing that a person can level up their tree to get a specific item that makes them stronger than everybody else? Because and, and specifically what I wanna talk to you about is the D L forty four in Battlefront. You get that at level twenty four. And I know it was bad because it was part of the DLC where it came out ahead of time, and it's just a two-shot killer. Like, it steamrolls everybody. And I know that was one thing that you expressed you weren't happy about, but that was legitimately acquired by playing the game and getting the experience points. So, is there a way to do it wrong? And that's kind of an underhand toss question, but I do want to hear your legitimate answer and any other examples you have. Like, can they do it wrong, and, can, and, and is it always, I guess it's not always a good thing then.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it can be done wrong, and I don't remember exactly the exact situation. Didn't you say that like that was also like you said it was part of like pre like like maybe the deluxe edition yeah, as well? The, like deluxe edition. Did you, you not it. maybe have to be? You didn't have to like level up all the way to get that one, like, get that weapon. And uh, and I think I don't know. It sounded like that weapon had its own balance issues as well. Like it was only like a one shot. So I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't claim to be good at that game. So <laughs> the fact that I always got killed by it, like it might have been just personal frustrations. But I think that a lot of I think a lot of shooters out there do a good job in that the starting weapon that everybody starts with is actually a really balanced option weapon and so that one of the better weapons you can get in the game is actually your initial gun and so it's more like as you level it's more about like what do you, what kind of style do you like you can get an SMG that maybe is more powerful at close quarters you can get a longer range gun but it's more about like what do you prefer and then you can build on that but I don't I think a lot of shooters nowadays have gotten past that kind of like play- to-win mentality where like newcomers don't come in feeling like oh man I'm just gonna get pummeled over and over and over because right. everybody's just everybody's just super geared like if you're fairly right. competent you'll be able to hold your own with that starting gun so I think they've, i think that you know a few years ago that was a bigger issue than it is now
2: and just a quick kudos to planet side because i think they did it the best honestly out of any shooter that i've ever played at balancing your starting weapons the starting weapons for majority of the classes were the best for the longest time and have even maintained the best through the introduction of a lot of and, and the best is somewhat subjective but it's a very 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 strong equally killing machine um to even new guns that have been introduced even this year and it's a four-year-old game. Sorry, Smiley. I didn't mean to derail your your topic, but uh, it just got me thinking, and I had to ask uh, a question. It,
0: it's a really good question because, you know, when when you look at the roots of gaining EXP and leveling up your characters, it's it's from a from a single player game. Like you're leveling up to make it easier to to defeat the computer. So when you add that into a multiplayer competitive environment you're right that it has to be done very carefully. Otherwise, your players feel like, I'm not losing because this person's better than me. I'm losing because this person's played 500 more hours than me. Right. And I have and no super chance. That's frustrating. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think, to to an extent, I feel like that's why games like Diablo 3, for example, have really not done a whole lot with PvP. And people are constantly clamoring for more D, uh, PvP in Diablo 3, but I just don't think we're going to see it. Because... It's a game where you have a decided advantage simply by playing more. And there's, you know, like, that's not really compelling multiplayer. Like, you can pretty much write it down on paper and say, all right, you've 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 played a lot more than this person. That means you're going to win because you're just, the advantages are too great to overcome.
2: So the final question then, RPG elements, the proliferation of RPG elements, good thing or bad thing? Shy, just yes or no? I think it's good. I think it's good. Smiling.
0: Yeah, I like it. I mean, I, I like RPGs. So, I like cool. gaining EXP.
2: Well, I guess we all just, we all just answered why they do it then and why it's in every single freaking game now.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, they wouldn't do it if it wasn't successful. I mean, that's... So, let's let's go a little bit further then. We talked about RPGs, but let's talk about RPG MMO elements specifically. Um, there was a lot of hoot, hooting and huff, huffing and hawing. How, how's it go? Hooting and ho- hollering? Huff, uh, yeah. Something like put, that. Put a lot of H's and a lot of O's uh, a in there. Couple, couple H's, couple O's. I feel like we had a conversation about that in the past, but I've already forgotten about it because I have ADD. Me too. Can we move? Uh, on already. I'm already. I'm already bored. <laughs> already bored. The MMO uh, side of the RPG has obviously gotten very popular since since WoW and EverQuest and and Final Fantasy XI and all those games have kind of brought that genre to the forefront. And so now a lot of other non-RPG um, games are trying to get into that get into the MMO scene because uh, you know these companies have found that for one that's a good way to make money but two like people like feeling like they're part of something larger than themselves they like playing a game that they feel like there's an active world that other people are involved in and so the biggest game that comes to mind that we talk about all the time of course is destiny which claimed to be the first MMO RPG shooter um,
2: so that would really be an MMORPG FPS
0: Yes, that is that is that would be the accurate acronym, and so I think three of us all kind of having come from MMORPG roots and backgrounds uh, gave Destiny a lot of trouble because um, you know it, it made this boast that it was an MMORP an MMO. Uh, at least, and it didn't really seem, especially at first, to deliver that for a number of reasons. Van, you want to talk a little bit about that? Because yeah, cause Destiny's your wheelhouse.
2: Yeah, this frustrated me a lot when Destiny announced that it was an MMO, especially because the reason that you know Shy and and Smiley and myself and uh, dozen other people all all game together is because of an mmo like final fantasy 11 where we all existed in this world where we can all interact with each other as well as hundreds of other people in the game so it's just this really cool immersive game that you felt you were a part of another universe another um you know uh, world and it existed whether you're in it or not and destiny is they boasted to be an MMO, and I'm like, okay, this is awesome because I love first-person shooters, as I've talked about a thousand times on this podcast, and I love MMOs. So now you're putting them together. This is a really, really good thing. So uh, Shy and I were talk or we're playing like in uh, alpha and beta, and then I think Smiley and I we even played in, in beta, but we never played more than the three of us at the same time. So when the game finally came out, and I was ready to just rock and roll and, and explore the area and just get to, you know, um, really. get to know the environment and how the game worked and everything um putting a party together and it's not allowing us to go to the first place to explore because the maximum number of characters you could take to the world to explore or on the first mission was three and i was like well that that can't be right like maybe there's something wrong blah blah anyways the point i'm making is um i don't think you can say that you are an mmo when you can only allow three people into a fire team six at max when you're doing a raid that is not an mmo by any stretch of any imagination any single game by that definition then could be an mmo um battlefront battlefield anything that you can play with multiple players even just locally because um, you can play with three people on a split screen. You play four people on a split screen with 007. See, now you got my, my blood-boiling smiley. You can play four people on, on 007 that. on N64, and that's not called an MMO, nor would they claim to be an MMO. And that's one more person than 90% of the content in Destiny allows you to play with. And the, the only part that has the most MMO capability in Destiny is the freaking tower, where you go there just to see your bank and whatnot. And I think even that's capped at, like, 25. So... I don't know if MMO was, like, the buzzword of the year when Destiny came out, but it was just really annoying that they claimed to be an MMO. Got my hopes up that it was going to be, like, Final Fantasy XI, but with freaking guns, and it ended up not being anything like that.
0: Okay, all I right. to break it. All right, well, yeah, why don't you sell down for a second? Shy and I are going to pick up the pieces here. Um. So, Sha, let me ask you, then, uh, what, what do you think is necessary for something to be qualified as an MMO? Do you think there's a certain threshold of people who have to be active in an area at the same time. Do you think it involves a, an in-game economy? Like where, where, where do you think line is drawn there?
1: I think, I mean, I don't know. I mean, first of all, the first M in MMO is massive, right? Massive multiplayer online. And so I think what, what Van is speaking to is the fact that is that it's not massive. Like there's only, and I think honestly, Van, I think the cap on the tower is something like 12 people. It's not even 25. I think it's pretty small. Um, What's interesting, too, is that before Destiny came out, Planicide was out on PC, right? And that is a true... MMO, you know, RPG, FPS, yeah. and 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 that's I think that is a good example of what you would expect of an MMO. Like, there's no economy, which I think is maybe an aspect of an MMO. I don't know that I would say it's it's necessary, but you have maps where there are like two thousand people fighting on the same map at any given time across the continent, and I think that's you know I mean you can fly around the continent or drive around the continent and interact with almost any of them, and I think that's a great example of what of what an MMO is in my mind is. Is people interacting online together and a massive amount of people.
0: So, I, I, I'm just think, I'm just thinking about this. Uh, so, forgive me for going a little bit off-brand, but I think about a game like Final Fantasy 14 and like it almost seems like it's moving away from the massive part because yeah there's a huge like everybody's playing on the same server and there's places where you can run into everything but, but most of the content in that game is instanced like very like anything relevant that you do is done in either a four man or an eight man party in its own area without any outside interference
1: i mean there was 24 man content and there were fates where you would see hundreds of yeah. people at a time like i I honestly with playing 14 i never felt like i was seeing significantly less people than i ever saw in like a game like 11 basically yeah so I just I wonder. I agree. If, I, I wonder what's instances.
2: moving that if it's moving that way. I think it, I think it is. I think instances are especially um, for example Blade and Soul. Blade and, uh, we've been playing a lot of it. Um, Shy myself and a few other people, um, and it has the MMO element when you're in the cities or even when you're just right outside the cities, like doing some of the side quests and stuff. But shoot shy we've gone through what maybe 20 instances already Leg- literally 20 instances and they're not all like super hard dungeons only two really difficult dungeons but we've gone through another 18 side quest instances so it seems like that is definitely the way that that the uh the gaming industry is going with regards to MMOs is Anyone, instance everything
0: you wonder if they've just gotten to that point because they that's the only way they feel they can handle the, the server load as as these know quests hmm. and cutscenes and things get more and more elaborate like they need to partition that stuff sure. off to be able to control it and, and keep everything stable voice acting yeah I you mean, know it's, everything it's a, a lot more complex dungeons. than it used to be
1: yeah and people i mean people want a solo i mean that's a mentality that exists in the mmo you know, people oh, want hated. people want to be able to experience a game with either that just themselves or like maybe a buddy like they don't want to have to try to do it in a large group.
2: Which, isn't that contradictory or ironic that somebody wants to play an MMO, massive multiplayer online game, and they want to be able to solo?
0: Well, yeah, but to be fair, like it's not like they offer a non-MMO version of it. Like, I'd play a single-player version of... Like, I, I always said that I felt Star Wars, the old Knights, the old, <laughs> yeah. not Knights but the Old Republic... Yeah the MMO would have been a much better single player game. If they would have just made that like a single player RBG like in the line of Knights of the Old Republic, I thought it would have been so good. But as an MMO it just didn't do it for me. Like the fights were too long and boring. It was not my kind of MMO and, and the problem was it had such great voice acting and cutscenes, but when you're trying to be on mumble or ventrilo with a bunch of buddies and also listening to cutscenes like that's just a struggle. You know, you, you either end up missing oh, the story sure. or missing yeah. the conversation with your friends. So Yeah, exactly. Um, just go to a different channel. You know, so that's that's the question. And so I guess that comes down to the ultimate question that we're asking for each of these. Is that they try to MMO eyes everything a good thing or is it not? Would it be better if they just said, hey, this isn't an MMO. Uh, this is just a single player game. Or, you know, a, a, you know, two players at max, you know, deal with it. What do you think? Let's start with uh let's start with shy this time. I think I start with van last time. I think I always start with van. Even though I don't always start with van. I always think I start with van. So we're starting. With yeah, that. you've been starting with me
1: a lot this episode, but and I know yeah. you're probably looking for a yes/no answer. But I think, as an example, I think like if we were to say, would Destiny be better without the tower and without you know non-party members in the open world? It might be. That's something we've talked about before. <laughs> I, I think, think it you know definitely what I mean? would. I think, be. I think I think it could be. So <laughs> that might be a better, just strict multiplayer game and not a massive multiplayer online game. Um, you know, and it's, it's is, tough yeah. to tell. But I don't. I don't. So I would say I don't think it is better just that they add M mode everything. I think that in some cases it's it's better to not have that.
0: What about you, Van?
2: Yeah, I think Shai summed it up really, really well. I don't think everybody should be reaching and doing, like, all the elements that they can to pretend to qualify as an MMO in their own mind. I think just leave it and say that it's a multiplayer game and that you could join your friends in XYZ situations, but not title yourself an MMO because MMO is a desirable um, word right now or acronym in video gaming right now. I I don't think it's a good idea to go for it either go full-blown MMO or or just stay out of it completely and say that it's a multiplayer game. You never go full MMO.
0: All right. Let's, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. Did you vote? Did I vote? Oh, um, no. I I, I I would just agree with you guys. I don't think MMOs... I think MMOs have a place and time, but when you get these hybrid MMOs, I don't think it works. I agree. I, I think Van summed it up perfectly. Either either do it or don't do it. But don't, don't pussyfoot around, you know? And I think an interesting, as a segue, an interesting example that I think is Diablo 3, which, when it first came out, had the real money auction house and the regular auction house and really tried to build an in-game economy and really make it more of an MMO experience. And then they felt that that didn't achieve what they wanted. So they got rid of it. They backed it out. And now it's not an MMO by any stretch. It's a, you know, you got a a maximum four-man party and you can play with anybody online. But there's no in-game economy. There's no, you know, there's nothing massive about it. They've narrowed their focus, and I think the game is better for it. So, so there you go. All right, let's jump into the the next one, and then we'll then we'll take a, a quick break today. Um, next next up is our uh, quick time events. Uh, so so this one maybe isn't quite as um, widespread or or no. Um, headline worthy as the previous two, but, but it's something that kind of has been just cropping up in a lot of different game. Now, quick time events, uh, uh, Sean, I'm going to let you explain this because, because you had a, a good definition when we talked about the other day. Tell us about quick time events. Yeah. So I think, uh,
1: because I was looking this up also, and uh, I think the de- the official definition of a quick time event is when a game like takes control away from the player, like at the at the level that you had control, and then all of a sudden you're following like button prompts on screen for a period of time until it decides to give you like full control back.
0: Right. So instead of instead of dodging by, you know, pushing left on the control stick or jumping with the jump button, now you have to push. A, B, up, left, right, in the correct order, as it shows on the screen, in order to successfully escape whatever dangers are imminent. As an example, is that exactly summing yeah. up about right? Yeah. So, so we're seeing this in in a lot of games, especially action games. It, it's it was kind of something that was only done here and there, and now it's really become. Um, some people might say a crutch for uh, for some of these games to. to for whatever reason, and my question is, do you, do you personally like that a, that quick time events kind of come up a little bit more frequently, or do you feel like it takes away from the achievement? Like, for let me, let me give you an example: if you know some the ground is opening up beneath you and you need to scramble to safety, do you feel it more or less fulfilling to do that with a bunch of You know, exact button presses as a timing mini game almost? Or would you rather, you know, try to escape that through the means that your characters had throughout the whole game? Van, I will start with you this time.
2: Um. After you know, quick time events in general don't bother me. I actually kind of enjoy them. They they keep me on my toes and typically like suspenseful games. Or the the most recent game that I played was Until Dawn, and that was just all quick times. And so I don't mean to steal thunder because I'm sure he wants to talk a little bit about it, but <clears throat> there were quick time events in that game that um, literally, if you pressed the wrong button or made the wrong decision, it had some pretty gnarly consequences. So you felt tension you felt emotion and all that stuff i think they did it really really well um other games i think are are fine with it um until i heard what you described smiley that i never thought of the alternative being that you can physically manipulate the controls for some reason i just kind of went with the flow so while i was you know jumping from brick to brick and i was about to slip unless i hit x triangle square um you know i'd hit x triangle square and be like okay cool that was fun but I, I don't know what else do you do, Smiley. Like if you're if you're if they're trying to portray your character slipping, it's not like you can manipulate the control to get more grip onto a shelf or something like that. Yeah, that's so I, a good point. That's I think there, point. there's 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 times when it's awesome and it works well, but to cheaply and artificially add, um, I guess, emotion or fear or suspense into a game, then that just seems a little bit like unnecessary. But the way you described it I would I would prefer to manipulate the controls myself but I just think that there's there's instances where you, you can't physically do that for it to make sense.
0: Sure. Well, I think personally I think there's three situations and in some it's appropriate and in some it's not. In a game like Until Dawn or Wolf Among Us uh, as another example. These are games that like they weren't action games necessarily. Am I right about Until Dawn because I haven't played that yeah, myself. It's I'm just going by what Exact. Yeah. I mean it's it's not yeah, like you don't have maybe a, a toolkit of evasive maneuvers necessarily, so for that that's fine because that's a way to add some action into a game that's not necessarily an action game. Similarly, you get a game like something like Resident Evil Four, which which was the first game I played that had quick time events, and in that game it seemed to make sense because your character moved at a slower pace. If you've ever played any Resident Evil games, you know that it's not exactly spot on when it comes to controls. You know, it's oh, more Jesus. about, you know, gun gun accuracy and things like that. So, you know, when 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 you're being chased by a falling boulder in that game, like, I don't feel like, I feel like quick time events were the way to get out of the way because, like, I didn't have anything that I really could have done. Like, I would have just, you know, shuffled to the right and gotten smushed or <laughs> fired my shotgun on it and hope it blowed up. But then you take a game that's a little bit more that gives you a little bit more action uh, control or a little bit more tight control of your character, something like Tomb Raider or God of War. Like in those games, your character is very mobile. Like you can, you know, you like it's part of the game is dodging things and getting out of the way and, and uh, avoiding traps. Right. And so when games like that go to quick time events, that's where I feel like it's a little bit, it doesn't seem to, to fit into a game like that. It's like, why make it a quick time event? Like if something crazy is going on, like I got Kratos, man, like that's what he's all about. Let me figure out how to get out of this trouble. Like, give me a way to get out of it using the abilities I've been using the whole game. Um, so, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of back and forth shy. What are your thoughts?
1: Um, What's funny is the first God of War, I think, is the first game I ever saw this in, and I believe the majority of it was actually when you were killing a boss, when you're dealing the killing blow, like you would do the whole boss fight, at the yeah, end it would be like lying yeah. there would, like a circle button rotating over his head and you come up to it, and then you get this really cinematic and normally very gory death. And it was really cool as a gamer, like you gotta see this really cool thing that you're acting out and like because you were inputting these commands. You know, something that something like like I think Van was almost saying earlier that like I don't know how they would make that possible yeah. with, with normal commands. But I think throughout the years it's it's worn on me. It's no longer very interesting and I think a lot of times unfortunately in my mind is that when it's happening a lot of times it is to like get out of problem situations and I'm not ready for it. So I end up failing it, which then means it resets me back to like before that point or even further back and then you're just repeating. It. And then if it's also a particularly tricky one, you know you may fail it a couple times while trying to get used to it. And um and so I, that's why I liked Until dawn was there was no that there wasn't that. If you failed it, you just moved on. And so it was like a, it just happened and then you kept on going. And so I thought that was cool. The other, the other thing I have a problem with it too is it, it draws your eye away from like the central action of you know I mean you're looking at like the corners of the screens or the sides of the screen wherever the buttons might appear. And I, I hate that. I, I like looking at a game and like looking at the world of the game. And I don't like trying to like look to the edges of my screen to see you know then like focus away from the action on the screen just to make sure I'm seeing which button I need to press.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. That's not really something I can, had considered, but I think that does ring true. All right. Well, those are our first three major mechanics. We do have some lesser ones to discuss, but before that, we're gonna take a little bit of a break. So we'll be right back with Focus Target Podcast.
2: Yeah. Now hey, you know what, Smiley?
0: What? Whoa, what's going on? <laughs> the
2: The results are in, man, and the reps just aren't cutting it, dude. You got anything else for us?
0: Oh, uh, that's unexpected. Uh, I mean, I guess I could try to sing.
2: <laughs> well, let's give it a shot.
0: All right, here we go. <clears throat> Give me an MMORPG that I can love Tell me, where is that video game I've been dreaming of? A game that doesn't care about appealing to the masses. Come together, everybody, let's lift our glasses. To a company, mercy me, that can deliver. Now which one of you game companies will pull the trigger? I believe in you in my heart, I know you can do it. But Van and Shy, they both disagree and think I'm stupid. How was that? Was that better? Eee you know what? The wraps were actually pretty good, Smiley. Yeah. So we're going back to the raps then. Let's do it. Alright. And we're back. Not with oh. no, 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 oh, with oh, sorry. Oh, no, with focus talking. I don't know pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was kind of misleading, but it does bring up a question. If you listen to the, if you could stand to listen to the words of the song that I just sang, it was about the idea of a uh, uh, the MMORPG that I would like to see built. And so I kind of put words in your guys' mouth in order to make a good rhyme there. But do you think this is completely off target from what we're talking about? That they will ever make an MMORPG that's different from the current, the current type? Like, will they ever? break away from, like, the WoW mold of MMOs. Who is My contract
2: states that I'm not allowed to answer any unpredetermined questions. (laughs) You
0: do not have a contract. (laughs) That's true, you get me really cheap. (laughs) I don't even have an agent. Uh, No, I
2: think they have... I mean, when you say, like, of the current RPG elements, there's just way too many of them to go away from. I think you're always going to need... I don't think there's a blanket answer. Sorry, I, I, I think... It will stay mostly the same i mean think of dnd how long has dnd been out and we still use elements from, from dungeons and dragons in video games nowadays it's you know it's survived 30 40 years already um and, and i think it's a good thing i think the, the rpg elements will mostly maintain i don't think anything right but I mean, i'm not saying will,
0: get rid of the elements of the mmo i'm just saying like well, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's maybe this is a podcast for another. Maybe day.
2: VR will change some of that. Maybe Maybe VR will. That's a good you know. that's a
0: good point. Virtual reality, the wave of the future. I wonder if we'll ever do a podcast on that. Oh,
2: that'd be
1: fun. I think All it right. might I think it might happen, but I think that it would be like a Kickstarter thing.
0: I think that a small team out
1: there could envision something and if people responded and funded them they could come up with something that would be more
0: maybe what you're looking for than what, you know, the mass appeal is. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if that's what it would take. Maybe I just need to make a lot of money and make the game myself.
2: Anybody or just wants dude. Anybody like, who wants to you... donate
0: to the Smiley Fund, let's do this. All right. Speaking of making your own RPG, well, <laughs> let's I'll talk just... about right, that. Never mind. Let's talk about no, that later. Okay, later. back back to the game mechanics proliferation. Sorry for the detour, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to talk about. Um, it would be remiss of us to not mention the um, the mobile and cell phone game revolution that has taken the world by storm and and a key part of that the reason that everybody's got an app and everybody's got a game is because microtransactions or um, you know the, the either the uh, either within games or to purchase cheap games have become really a a a valid way of making money where they know that if that if they price either their games themselves or the services and goods within a game at ninety nine cents, a dollar ninety nine, two ninety nine that and otherwise allow it to be free to play. Um, they can get a lot of business. And so we, we've seen that now where where games all over the place have microtransactions, and it's more than just mobile gaming. It's, it's, it's kind of infested everywhere. Um, the biggest example of that, as far as mainstream games go, is Destiny, where in one of the recent updates, Destiny has now allowed you to pay a small fee to unlock additional cosmetic changes. I think we see that in a lot of even paid RP MMORPGs like Final Fantasy fourteen, they have they now have a cash shop that allows you to again not do a whole lot of in game, you know, you can't buy your victory, but you can, you know, purchase cosmetic changes or, or, or outfits or things like that. Um what do you guys make of this? Van, let's start with you.
2: I'm not a, a big <clears throat> mobile gamer with regards to like phone apps and stuff like that but i do play a lot of games that do have microtransactions like you mentioned every game has a microtransaction i i think where they are now is um well not only much improved from where they began and i'll explain that in a second but i don't i don't i don't think they're a problem i i actually like them and to first talk about the evolution of the microtransaction when it first started arriving that I can remember early second I can remember it was probably like ten years ago or so and it was really popular in like MMORPGs and Unfortunately, it was it coined the term pay to win It was really what brought out the the pay to win element Which is exactly as it sounds basically you can throw money at the at the uh, video game and you can get a weapon Or you can get a buff that somebody else does, can't get in the game necessarily unless they pay money and that was the difference Then they started allowing the same person or everybody to be able to acquire that, either by paying money or by working um, really, really hard. So, um, real quick, uh, so uh, working really hard at it so that everybody does have an opportunity, but one person can get it faster by throwing money. The other person has to work really, really hard at it. Now what they're doing and what seems to be the norm is actually getting away from items that buff your character and they're all purely cosmetic or have um, zero – result in influencing your fight or whatever it is you're trying to accomplish they don't give anybody an edge whether it's a anything in the cash shop whether it's um purchased or you know worked on so where it is now i think is is really is okay um there's a part of me that i guess is just the old style gamer that doesn't like the cash shop in general but then the new part of me actually likes being able to buy some of the cosmetic stuff but then you know what if there wasn't a cash shop they would have thrown those cosmetics into the game anyways and it just would have been acquired a different way so i guess while speaking out loud i came to my own conclusion that i don't like them
0: i see what about you shy um
1: i think that um I would agree with Van. I don't like them either. And I think that a lot of that, I think from two very specific examples that come to mind, very much what Van just said in that, like I love cosmetic stuff in games. That's a big part of of gameplay for me, MMOs or even any type of game I play. And when we were playing 14 actively and they started releasing a ton of cosmetic stuff that was cash shop only and i'm playing a, i'm paying a subscription for this game and i'm sitting there thinking like yeah i'll probably buy this outfit or whatever they're selling on the cash shop but i'm already paying a subscription why couldn't they just add this to the game like they're just trying to make money from us like extra money on top of what we're already paying them and i i feel like it feels weird and then the other b- big one actually that concerns me is with destiny because there's the cosmetic side of it but they also have those thing they also have those packs you can buy that will instantly level up one of your characters to to level 40 and that actually worries me and and it worries me that you know a, a company could make it hard enough to like level up a character that that would start becoming appealing, and so I think it's important for the user base to police the developer and make sure that doesn't happen. Like make sure you know that that they're not like making resources hard enough to get, and all of a sudden they are selling you know uh, uh, you know uh, a spin metal booster, you know, <laughs> like for a one hour spin metal booster logs. for you to you know yeah. I mean, um, I think I think I think that's important, and and different games do them differently, but it worries me when I see a AAA title that is very much like we're not pay to win you know kind of balancing that 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 razor's edge where it seems like they could go towards a, not a pay to win but a pay to enjoy almost like that that seems weird to me
2: what's doubly weird about the final fantasy 14 um is that you're right it is a paid subscription most of these other cash shops in fact 90 of them i don't know if that's a real percentage but it seems like it 90 percent of them are free to play games and that's how they make their money It's with a cash shop so if you have a subscription based game as well as a cash shop that just sounds like double dipping that's that's really that's shame on them
0: and I want to get into a little bit about what Shai was saying about about the community policing, the game the game developers. But before I do that, I want to jump actually into our next topic because I think it ties in very very well, and that is um, the the random nature of some of these these games. So so a lot of the games, especially cell phone games, a lot of the popular games um, now have uh, what's considered a gotcha element, which is. Um, it comes from a Japanese term, which is "gachapon," which you may recognize uh, from your childhood. Uh, do you guys remember those little, um, those little machines that were in? St- stores and stuff where you put in a quarter and you turn it and it drops out a little bubble and inside the bubble was something random I still buy those dude yeah, yeah. like the football so, sticker teams yeah, and stuff like that yeah. yeah exactly so that that's a that's a gotcha gachapon in, in Japan and so the idea is that when you're purchasing something you're not sure what you're going to get and obviously the, I, I don't know if they're the originators of this but the, the game that I always think of coming to mind immediately that made that infamous and, and cleaned up off of it was Magic the Gathering right you don't generally especially when when magic the first came out you didn't buy cards that you wanted you bought booster packs and you hoped that the card that you wanted was in there and a lot of times you those booster packs didn't have anything good and so that kind of goes right along hand in hand with with what Shaw was just talking about which is that a lot of these games now that have a, a cash shop or a are free to play with microtransactions a lot of those microtransactions have a random element an element of of chance where you're not just paying for something distinct you're paying for the chance to get something and in a lot of those cases it seems like some of these companies are getting downright shady in the way that they're kind of you know luring people into into essentially gambling on these games right they're rolling the dice because they want to get a good item or they want to get a good Outfit or whatever, whatever it is they're selling, um, and so that's that's been you know in in a game that I've touted on here quite a bit, Final Fantasy Record Keeper. Within the Record Keeper community, there's there's always a lot of talk about you know is is this sort of thing right? Because that's a game that relies heavily on on getting relic items from a random you know a random generated pool of items. When you do a draw, you don't get to choose what you get, um, and so I think. Not only is there um, pressure on the on the players of the games, but to an extent, the players of the game need to be protected too. And so there's there's I, I saw a video recently on the internet, um, another another uh, YouTube video streamer uh, that does a, a series called Extra Credits, talked about this very thing: the idea that at some point, if if companies are playing Preying on people with some of these gambling games or some of these transactions—is there a—is there like almost a legislative body that needs to get involved to protect people from being taken advantage of? Um, which so that's kind of the far extreme of this conversation, and I've talked for a long time. So. I hate Gacha bon.
2: dude. Okay, <laughs> one person who got bit by the Gacha. Bug really, really badly was last week my friend bought his first set of magic cards. Oh, and yeah, it comes with two booster packs. Okay, first brand new set wanted to teach him how to play magic. He pulled he opens his first booster and he goes, What's this? and he throws a card at me, it's a planeswalker. And I was like, Holy smokes, you are the luckiest person in the world! He opens a second booster pack, and he throws it at me, and he goes, what's this? And it's a colorless card. He didn't know what that meant. It was a wasteland foil worth $300. And I told him, dude, what? do not think that this is how magic is going forward. And he's like, what do you mean? It's not like this? He's, he was ready to quit his job and just open magic boosters. <laughs> I, can make, I can make $300 <laughs> every 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> easy, why, right? why doesn't everybody do this? <laughs> right. So, um... Yeah, that, he's he's, he's like, man, gotcha. you're really bad at this Go- game. You know that? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Shai. you sound like you were, you had an opinion.
1: Nah, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, if I've honestly, and and just hearing Smiley describe this has lit my lit the fire. Like, if there's one pet peeve I have in gaming, it's this. Probably Gatchapon. Like. I hadn't really seen this, I don't think, until we were playing Arcage, Van. But like that, like a lot of the cosmetics in that game were Gachapon boxes. Like unlike a game like Blade mm. and Soul that we're playing now, where you can actually buy straight up costumes for a flat fee, and they might be expensive, but you can still buy them for a flat fee. In Arcage. They were, they were locked behind Gachapon boxes. You could literally possibly never get a costume you thought looked really cool unless you got lucky or, you know, dumped, you know, $50, $100 even into these stupid r- r- random boxes that might give you that costume. And it was just frustrating. And Destiny has done this, too, with, like, the speeder event they did. Like, a lot of the speeders and different things, you know, are the same way. Like, random chance so- of putting money into it.
2: It, just so I understand, and, and if I'm confused, I'm sure the listeners are confused also, although I'm I'm not saying I'm smarter than our listeners by any stretch of the Sounds advantage. like that's what you're saying. Anyways, um, so Gachapon, does that, it, to, to qualify as a Gachapon, does it have to be purchased, or can it be a box that you've earned? Like, what's the difference between throwing money or defeating a, a hard-ass dungeon well, and then getting well, a box at the end?
0: Sure, and I think, I think the idea is that you, you pay for it with something, okay. whether it's in-game currency well, or, then, or then purchasable shy, currency. Well, then Blade
2: Soul is... That's every single main dungeon has that. We have our chest that we have to pay a key to unlock. Then once you get the key unlocked, then then it's a random weapon, whether it's your weapon to upgrade to the next tier uh, or not. But, it's and, but yeah, is the key, is the key
0: that you uh, use so you, something that you would purchase with with you real can, funds? But no, you don't have to. You can earn yeah. it from dailies and stuff. But you either can, way, right. you're earning but so, it. Through, so, but but that's, work. The same, that's the same thing. Almost, almost all of these games that use this system, they give you some of the currency free. Like you can. It's not like you can only pay for it. Usually, you sure. can earn it well, as you're well. For it with time. But but that's the idea, and, that, and obviously that's how these games make money, right? It goes back to our whale discussion from a couple podcasts ago. Like, you are really want this weapon. You want so bad, and you open the box, and you don't get it. And you're out of the currency that you've earned through playing the game. So now it's like, okay, well, maybe I'll just drop a couple bucks and try again. And then you don't get it, and then you don't get it again. And then you're like, wow, well I've already spent $5. Like, I'm not just going to waste that. I like, guess $5 I threw away. Like, right. I got to I gotta get something out of this. And before you know it, you get your item, but you're $50 in the hole. Well, like, and- that's... That, that's what i mean by preying on people
1: it's probably also a weird understanding of probability and a culture in that yeah. like you think that the more chances the more times you buy this item you have a better chance of now
2: getting
0: getting better. i failed 500 <laughs> times in a row this i've got to get this is guaranteed it's called, the,
2: it's called the gambler's fallacy
0: a lot of gamblers' fallacies that go on in, in these things. So so okay, yeah, I mean that's just something to think about. Like that's obviously it's a it's it's kind of a growing concern. It's something to keep an eye out in some of these free to play like games that you play. Um, hate it. To 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 know to know know what you're getting into, you know. Um, all right, let's 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 move right along because we're we're running low on time as as it seems we always are. The final thing that we want to really talk about is um is achievements and trophies um that's another thing that's really kind of proliferated down it kind of started with xbox live and playstation network in when when you had like a gamer score or a gamer level and by um by by getting by just playing these games and doing and reaching certain milestones within the games, you would get trophies or or gamer score points that would add to your running total that, of course, is shared online. This wasn't really doable back when everybody was playing on Super Nintendos, but now that everybody's connected to a network and you can see your friends' gamer scores and, and all that stuff, it's really become a big thing. And I think it really kind of changes the way you play. Like, there's some people who don't care at all about that, but other people who... Like they'll finish a game that they didn't like just because they want to get all the trophies for it. Shy, I know you had mentioned uh, feeling that way about some games.
1: Oh man, this game has this concept has had, a, had tremendously detrimental, uh, you know, effect on my gaming. And I don't think I told you guys this, but uh, my actually I had one I had one New Year's resolution last year, and it was actually achievement based. Um, it was oh actually God, awesome. it was actually based around my PSN score. Like I, I decided to re- reach a certain PSN level um, by the end of the year, and I found out like a three quarters of the year that like it was affecting my enjoyment of gaming like I was no I was not like playing PC games I wanted to play because I felt like I had to be playing PSN games to get those trophies and then I wasn't playing like certain PSN games because I was like oh like I should play this game instead like I think it'd be easier to get trophies in this game or like when I'd played enough of a game and I felt like I'd gotten all the trophies I could probably get from that game then I felt less inclined to like finish the game or go back to it it was terrible and so like really just in the end of the year like the last couple months I had to kind of just like wash my mind of that I just kind of was like you know what I'm gonna stop this, <laughs> this is ridiculous like a game to have fun not to like not to like pursue some dumb achievement uh, yeah it was it was really
0: weird that's really interesting so, oh go ahead did go ahead. you
2: play any games that that um or continue to play games to get chivos that yeah you liked it at first and then you didn't like it and then you were only playing it for chivos and then you were glad that you actually stayed with it and chivos is is a uh, like i guess slang for achievements for those of you who are listening so did you find yourself ever playing even a single title that you liked in the beginning then you didn't like and you were like hey, i'm gonna stop but wanted to get all the chivos got them all and then realized like, Hey, this is actually a good thing that I stuck with it because the ending is much different than I, I thought or something like that. Did anything like that ever come across?
1: Um, I'm trying to think if there's, if there was a situation like that, I think the closest to that, and it's not a great example is I played a
2: lot of Diablo
1: three cause I wanted to platinum it and I ended up platinuming it. And then while platinuming it, like I played some classes that I would never play that I really enjoyed. Like I ended up like my last class to to max level, which was one of the tedious nice. was to get every class to max level was barbarian. I never thought I'd, I never thought I'd enjoy barbarian, and I really did. And I was like, Man, this, is, this is one of my Barbarian's favorite classes. Um, so I think there were there was some of that, but uh, I, I can't think of like a single player so game yeah. like that.
2: But most of your experiences were negative, as opposed to. Well,
1: yeah, positive. like I remember, like like a game like Mad Max, which I really enjoyed, and we've talked about Mad Max before. Like some of the achievements in that game are ridiculous, and I like almost like despair looking at the achievement list, thinking like, like I, you know, what I mean, like I don't know that I'll ever, yeah, you know, I could ever platinum this game, and so I, I don't know, just yeah, for some frustrations like that.
0: Man, I always played Barbarian and Diablo. That's where you start. You start with Barbarian, and you go from there. <laughs> Anyway, um, I've, I've gotten to feel the same way. I, I used to really, really like gaining trophies. I thought it was a really cool thing. I still do. And um, I was very proud because I had one of the highest gamer scores amongst any of my friends on PlayStation Network. I think I think I still do because I was so hardcore into it for a long time. But um, but then I, two, two, two games really kind of killed it for me. And one of them was one of the Assassin's Creed games. I think it was the first one that had multiplayer. Maybe that was Assassin's Creed 2 Brotherhood, I think. And I kind of came late to the party of the multiplayer. So I had completely platinumed the whole single-player game, which got me to like 93% or something. And then there were like five or six little multiplayer trophies that you had to get. But the problem was the new Assassin's Creed had already come out because they release them every, you know, six months now. And (laughs) so nobody was playing the old game. Like, there was there was nobody there. And the servers were pretty much dead. They weren't even really supported anymore. Right? So there was literally no way for me to get those trophies. And as a completionist, seeing something sitting out there at 93% was unspeakably frustrating to me. Like, I was so agitated by that there was nothing i could do and and finally one of my like-minded friends and i got together and tried to boost it like we tried to get on a private thing and just do it ourselves and, and we ended up spending a little time on it and then being like you know this isn't worth it this is stupid and uh so i kind of i kind of fell out of love with it there and um and then it was just cemented by my playthrough with a final fantasy 10 where I was just spending hours and hours and hours grinding meaninglessly in that game, trying to achieve the trophy requirements. And then I was like, I, I eventually, I just got to a point that I that I said, you know, I have better things to do with my time. Like, I don't care. Like, if I get a trophy for this, like, what does that really mean? Like, is that going to get me back the <laughs> hours I'm spending yeah. just killing monsters? Bo- like, like this is this is this, like, what am I do? What am I really doing here? And so. I don't know. I still think that trophies and achievements are good, though. I like them. I think it's cool that they have them, and I think it gives you something to work for. It gives you some purpose in the game, and like you said, shy, it maybe gives you a reason to do some stuff in the game that you would never have tried, maybe try classes you wouldn't try or, or push yourself to do a harder difficulty level than you normally would be comfortable doing. But I, I no longer have the completionist attitude that I used to have where, where I had to get through all the, the trophies. All right. Any any final thoughts on trophies or anything else, gentlemen, before we, we go into the spiel?
2: No, I'm I'm indifferent when it comes to trophies. I don't I don't I don't go for them. But I'll tell you what, if I if I really really enjoy a game, odds are I'll have like you know seventy or eighty percent of the trophies done by the time I finish the game. Then I'll probably go back and revisit. Hey, what did up. I miss? Yeah, just to clean it up. But I I never go into a game thinking about trophies. You know, so I'm I'm that person that you talked about in the beginning where I'm just indifferent. So don't mind if they have them if they took it away I wouldn't I wouldn't care I'd still play the same exact games
0: See, tr- to me trophies are a natural extension of the way I play and that's why I got so into them because I like to com- fully complete games I like to try to 100% a game I-,
2: I agree but typically there's that 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 element is in the game like there's an options or something you know if if it's about like if it's that task oriented like that but I sometimes
0: guess, but yeah. I think I mean I think a lot of times trophies have replaced that but I mean there are also a lot of trophies that are as, as I think Shai was mentioning there's like a lot of trophies that aren't anything to do with completion of the game and they're just like ridiculous you know kill five enemies while jumping and using a fire spell and falling off a cliff right, backwards sure. while somersaulting sure. you know like you know they, they try to engineer these weird yeah. situations that don't necessarily happen so Shai any final thoughts? Uh, I mean, moment. I mean, the only thing I would say quickly is, I, I agree with you on the
1: Assassin's Creed. Like, I've I've heard a lot of stories about a lot of single player games out there that have tacked on multiplayer games yeah. and trophy, and, and and a lot of them have trophies associated to that. And then a lot of people never play those multiplayer modes. So people that you know do try to platinum games have a lot of trouble with those. But yeah, yep. I think that's that's stupid. also
2: also really shortly or quickly, um, PVP forcing PVP trophies in hmm. games is is stupid. A lot of people just don't like PVP, and it completely ruins the ability to plat.
0: Yeah, I I think myself and, and a couple other friends have talked about this a lot and agree that really if you've got a multiplayer or a PvP aspect to your game, why not just have separate trophy? You know, like have have a PvP section and a, a regular se- a single player section. Allow yourself to 100% uh, each one, and and then you know it's separate and and you don't have to worry about it. But but uh, maybe that's just too much trouble. I know what's weird is I know with both Xbox and PlayStation Network, there's actually criteria that games have to meet when they're doing their trophies like you can't just do whatever you want for a trophy like you can only give a certain amount of points and certain amount of different types of trophies it's actually there's some interesting stuff there but um unfortunately we don't have time to get into it today we as a group of focus target podcast recorders Appreciate you, our listeners. And if you'd like to get in contact with us, we invite you to do so. We are obviously on iTunes at Focus Target Podcast. If you'd like to review our podcast, give us a rating, leave some comments in there. We would love that. We can be also found on the Twitters at Focus Target. Uh, if you prefer email, our email is Focus Target Podcast at com. And we also have the blog at Focus com. that Van assures me is constantly being updated. I will take his word for it. We are happy to have you with us and look forward to our next podcast with you. So, as always, uh, I am Smiley. This is Shy.
2: And I'm Van. Cover us, Porkins. We're out.